This is Let's Go Michigan with Jeff Sloan on 760 WJR. Your bird's eye view on Michigan's business and entertainment scene. Here's Jeff. All right, welcome. It's a Saturday here in the Great Lakes State, the state of Michigan. Lots of snow, cold temperatures, frigid this morning. My God, it was cold. I've had enough of this. Kristen, oh my you started. Gosh, we just I, I started. Have, yeah, Kristen Kajawa, Mark Pastoria here, of course, yeah. co-hosting the show. Listen, we talked a couple of weeks ago about mm-hmm. maybe your kids doing a little bit of the uh, putting, what is it, toilet? Oh, the snow uh, day? The ice cubes down the toilet, flushing mm-hmm. it down the toilet. The and Spoon under the pillow. The spoon under the pillow where the PJs. pajamas inside out. Yeah. All that. They overdid it a bit. Well, you know what's so ironic about that? We did talk about it. You're right, Jeff. And the two days that everyone had a snow day and school was canceled, my kids did not get a snow day. They oh. actually had to go to school. So imagine them waking up every morning, looking at every school being closed except for theirs. Right. They were cursing. And of course, the snow days you're referencing this past week, the two days. days. Right, yeah. right, because of the yeah. temperatures, yeah. actually. They didn't want the mm-hmm. kids out suffering in those cold, cold temperatures. But thanks to the girls, for my kids anyway, yeah, yeah. for getting them out of school yes, on a couple of snow days. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Pass along to them that we've mm-hmm. kind of had our joy and fun and novelty with the snow and cold. It's a bit much at this <laughs> point. All right. And actually, we're going to get a warm up this coming week. So yeah. we welcome that. All right. Look, guys, in news that we want to make sure we bring to the audience at the start of our show, as we always do. What do you think about these high mortgage rates and the high mortgage rates essentially resulting in really, really making home sales in the U.S. take a hit? Homeownership has just simply become prohibitively expensive for many prospective buyers. That's got them sitting on the sidelines, and that's got home sales in a real slump. And the other thing is those who already own a home, they are, many people, are sitting on refinancing that they did previously when mortgage rates were really low. You just can't justify moving out of a 2 3%, 4% mortgage, whatever it may be, under 5 anyway, and moving into a new home right now when mortgage rates are averaging or have been averaging between 6 and 8% all year in 2023, or most of it anyway, you just can't justify it. The costs have become prohibitive. And of course, right before that in 2020, 2021, into 2022, when home sales were raging, really doing well, home prices went up on top of it. So the market now has set itself up as one which has higher prices for the product in the market, that being the home, and on top of it, higher interest rates you got to pay to get in. Now, the good news is with mortgage rates starting to come down in 2024, the early, early, early part of it, first couple of weeks anyway, things are starting to improve as interest rates go down and therefore mortgage rates go down. All right, so that's good. Let's hope that continues. We want to make sure people get into a home, part of the American dream, right? Hey, how about this? The Lions playoff run. Mark, we could talk football the whole show and beyond. Oh, yeah. Talk football all day these days. But there's other things that are kind of offshoot derivatives of the Lions' success that go beyond just the game itself. This covered by Jay Davis in Cranes, Cranes Detroit Business. A good article. Had a chance to interview Chris Moyer of Visit Detroit and others. And, you know, the spillover effect of the Lions in the playoffs really is great for the region and for many, many reasons. Chris Moyer makes the point in the article in Cranes that it just makes selling Detroit as a great place to visit, work, play, and invest, and hopefully even stay. Talk about the population decline and the challenges we're having with our population here in the state of Michigan. Hey, the Lions are doing their part 
to uh, bring people's attention here to this region and actually more than their attention, bring people to the region to uh, be part of the Lions playoff run. And we hope they do stay. And at minimum, they're spending their dollars downtown, which we love. Absolutely. The hotels, the restaurants. I mean, bring it on. Absolutely. And that helps fuel the local economy. And as we say, we hope people uh, fall in love with the region and make a point of staying. So great. Thanks, Chris Moyer. Thanks, Jay Davis, for covering that story. Just good news all around as a result of our beloved Detroit Lions. Really, really exciting. You know, Mark, I said we can't help ourselves. I got to go back to it before we close on the Lions story. <laughs> Talked a little business, a little Super economic Bowl. development. Hey, Super listen, Bowl. Mark, you're going right where I was going. Super Bowl. I don't know. I, I don't can know. Do it. Can you believe it's even possible? Right. But it is. What a year. You can certainly see a path to the NFC Championship game. You know, we'll know more tomorrow, of course, but... Uh, it's exciting. It's great. It really is exciting. What I'd love to see, Mark, I'd love to see, of course, the Lions tomorrow get by the Buccaneers. But beyond that, love to see the Packers knock off San Francisco. I believe that sets off the NFC Championship game in Detroit, Lions against the Packers. That's scary. How about that? I think I'd rather face the 49ers, believe it or not. It's a cool story either way, of course. And uh, let's see if we make our way into the Super Bowl. How fun. All right. Other news. We got a little bit of an event going on in Birmingham, Kristen. This is a first-year event. It's called the Birmingham Blast. We want to make sure that we cover it and promote it to anyone out there looking for something to do. This will happen next weekend, actually, next Saturday, I believe, one week from today. That's right. Yeah, next Saturday, January 27th. It's actually happening in the middle of our broadcast, so we thought we'd talk about it now. And, Jeff, to clarify, it's called the Birmingham Blast. right. Clever. Very clever. I like that. Yeah. Fitting. Yeah, fitting. So Birmingham is having a brand new event. It's downtown Birmingham. It's along South Old Woodward. And they are putting up a zip line, which is apparently the longest mobile zip line in Michigan. Wow. Do we know where it goes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a 300-foot-long zip line. It is near the Daxton Hotel. So if you know where wow. that is, that's where it will be. Kristen, we'll see you zipping down the zip you line. Might, screaming, you screaming might, actually. You might. Screaming at the top of your lungs. Yeah. Hey, what do you think about this, guys? Maybe yeah. a live show next week from, from the, the zip Bir- line? Birmingham Blast. <laughs> Watching Kristen go down the zip line. I mean, cheering I'm, her I'm in. All right. I'm totally Okay, game. hold her to that, Mark. Yeah. They also have food trucks. They have crafts for the kids. They have marshmallow roasting. Of course, all the downtown Birmingham stores will be open. Parking's free in the structures all day. It's great. Nice activity to do, 10 to 6 p.m. So Love it. Very cool. Thank you, Kristen. And to close out our first segment here on Let's Go Michigan, we covered that I think Gretchen Whitmer, you know, look, aside from politics, you might love her, you might not like her, you might support her, you might not. But listen, she's cool. Big Gretch, yeah. as they call it, right? Big Isn't Gretch. that it? Yeah. Big Gretch, right? She's cool. And you know what? Another feather in her cap in the category of being our cool governor. We covered this story. She announced that she was going to run a contest, an art contest. Yeah, a contest to create the cover art for her State of the State address for the program. And we've got a winner. We do. We've got a winner. Tell us. Yeah, Vivian Kern of Bay City Central High School. She's an 11th grader. And she submitted her piece of art, and it's really good. I'll post it on our social media page on Facebook. And so this piece of art will be on the cover of Gretchen Whitmer's State of the State address. That'll be on January 24th at 7 p.m., of course. But how cool is that? We congratulate Vivian Kern of Bay City Central High School, 11th grader there. Well done. What a great honor. Yeah. Her piece of art's going to be on the cover. 
forevermore memorialized. All right, listen, you guys need to stay with us on the show today. Really interesting things coming up, the first of which we're going to cover how online betting now on sports has made its way into the demographic of college students, made its way in a big way, part of that culture now. We're going to cover that story. Then we'll follow that up. Listen to this one. AI bots, artificial intelligence-driven bots, actually attending classes at Ferris State University. It's real. It's true. It's the way things are today. You know, every now and then in society and culture, there are major sea changes, big, big changes in the way we behave, maybe the way we buy things or the way we engage in various activities and things. And I'll tell you, one of those big sea changes emerged a few years ago now, not long ago, and that is our love for betting on sports. That market now valued at $83.65 billion in 2022, expected to grow to 91.43 by the end of 2023. Boy, it's big. Mark, I've got to ask you, you love sports. And part of the fun of sports is kind of picking which team is going to win. Now, it's one thing to jaw about it and have some fun with your friends. You pick, you think who's going to win. He or she picks who he or she thinks is going to win. That's part of the fun. It's another thing to put your money where your mouth is and put money down on it. Mark, I've got to ask you, and I do not know the answer to this. Do you bet on sports at all? I just started with all really? these new apps. Yeah, it's great. The parlays, you pick how many yards a guy's going to gain or how many touchdowns, who's going to win a coin toss. It's crazy. It's crazy, isn't it? Well, so you just started. Are you playing, like, what's an average hand that you play on things? Oh, it's not much. You just play $10 and pick the parlays. You could win 50 60 Sure. I think the first time I did it, sure. I won $150. It was... Okay, and a parlay, I don't bet on sports, but set me straight here. A parlay is where you are stringing together a series of things that happen in order for... Right. And if that happens, you win the bet, in Yeah, effect. it could be three things, could be 15 things. Right. So your odds change as you add more to your parlay. And then sometimes you don't want to bet because kind of ruins the game. It can kind of make you a little miserable, can't it? Yeah, you're trying to get all these parlays to hit, but your team wins the game and you're bummed out. That Exactly. <laughs> Are you more interested in the team winning or making money? That's that's part of the challenge of this. But, Kristen, let me go to you. I know you're on it. Come on. No. How many sports books are you on? No. How much are you betting every day? I don't day? know. You know what? I honestly, I don't know anything about sports betting. I'm actually anxious for this interview because I know nothing about sports betting. To be honest, I don't even know the name of the apps. Okay. Well, you've kind of teed it up for us. You've teased us a bit here. You said you're eager to get this interview underway. So am I. We want to learn all about this. We're going to be speaking with Margaret Fleming. She's a sports media fellow at businessinsider.com. She covers all things related to sports and in particular sports business. And boy, Sports betting, you want to talk about change, you want to talk about change in business, you want to talk about change in sports and business, here it is. Margaret Fleming, welcome to the show. Thanks. Tell us about what's going on in the wild world of sports betting, and in particular, as your article points out, how sports betting now has even infiltrated the college-age enthusiast who's getting hooked on this idea. Margaret, we all know the numbers, we hear the stories. Tell us about that. Yeah, thank you all for having me. I'm excited to be here. We had heard about somebody who had sort of had some gambling problems in college, had to drop out of class. And we thought, is this something that other people have dealt with as well? So we reached out just very openly to some researchers and some college students and just said, hey, what is this experience like for you? What does sports betting look like for you? And we found it's so, so, so normalized. It's just the same as, you know, sharing a study guide, sharing a playlist, as I said in the article. But 
the researchers and the students are worried that they aren't being educated on all of these risks associated with problem gambling. And so many of these companies are targeting their marketing on social media or, you know, ways to keep users coming back. And so they're really kind of in this dangerous position when they're so young and it's so normal among their friends and among sports fans, but they haven't been taught all the risks. Yeah. And when you think about gambling risks, you know, there's a telltale sign that gets missed by a lot of people, young or old, doesn't matter. And that is that if you take, for example, whether it's online or in a physical environment like a casino, whatever it may be, just remember one thing. Those palaces out there in Las Vegas that have been built don't get built because the house loses more than they win. In fact, to the contrary, the fact is when you gamble, you lose more than you win. And that's just something that gets missed because everyone thinks I'm going to be good at this and it's fun. And there's a certain experience associated with it. How many times has someone come back from Las Vegas and said, ah, you know, spent some money. We lost some money, but we had a great time. It was just a good time. So we looked at it as though we were paying for the good time, but that gets missed a lot. And all of a sudden people wake up and their bank accounts have been drained. I'm going to ask a question because I don't really know anything about gambling, sports gambling, college kids, younger kids that are betting on certain sports apps. Do you have to be 21? Yeah. So it's interesting because it might not be labeled as sports betting, but there's still lots of ways to put money down on sports and sort of scratch that itch. And so daily fantasy sports is one way people do that. You can be 18 or up. Just like, you know, fantasy football or something like that, you have your team, you have your roster, and you're putting money down on your own players and how well they might perform. And there's also an app that we wrote about that's more of the sweepstakes style game. And that presents itself to the user. It looks like a sports book, but it's kind of like winning the lottery or something. There's, There's sweepstakes games in there. And so since it's categorized as that, that's also available to 18 and up users. And these both daily fantasy and sweepstakes style games are oftentimes legal in states where sports betting is not legal. And so we spoke to students in states where sports betting has not been legalized yet. And they and their friends have used these daily fantasy games and these sweepstakes games to still feel that rush and put money down on sports. And then, of course, there's plenty of ways that have been around for years, like offshore apps or using like a bookie through the fraternity or something like that that have kind of always been around. But just because sports betting has become so normal now, those are just as present, if not more than ever. Yeah, it's interesting. You talk about avoiding the online gambling classification by offering a sweepstakes style experience. You can also offer a game of skill as opposed to a game of chance style experience that also then makes it easier for these apps to proliferate You don't have to register state by state. You don't have to worry about online gambling laws because you fall outside the gambling category. In fact, I think gambling roughly is defined as something where you're, you know, putting money up. You are getting a chance to win money at the back end. And in between, you're playing a game, whatever it may be, an experience of chance based on chance, at least predominantly based on chance. Whereas a game of skill, you put the money up, you have a shot to win money at the back end of the experience. But there's a game of skill in between that you're playing, and that helps avoid the gambling classification as well. Nonetheless, to your point, and it's absolutely true, whether it's classified as gambling or not, in sweepstakes, for example, buying a lottery ticket, there are ways to lose money. And in fact, there's likelihood to lose money. Only one or a handful of people win the big prize at the other end. Millions and millions put the money up to build the pot, but they all lose their money in the process. And again, a lot of this gets lost and people just look the other way or they look at it as a way to invest in having an enjoyable experience. 
Right. And it's not even that so many people are losing so much, but over time you're putting right. down small amounts of money and developing these habits that because it's something you do with all your friends, you're routinely putting down $10, $15, or even smaller amounts than that. It just becomes such a normal part that it's become a lot easier. I mean, these researchers we spoke to said that five years ago, everyone in their clinic was in their 40s and their 50s. And now everyone in their clinic coming for treatment for their addiction is much, much younger than that. Mm. You know, And so these trends since sports betting has been become a state-by-state issue back since 2018, the researchers are seeing that Yes, more of them are having these severe cases, like more extreme cases of developing an addiction, but just a lot of them are, you know, these smaller increments, these smaller amounts building these habits. And again, like we said before, not necessarily being taught by anybody how to make sure that those habits don't become more extreme. Well, it's become a social part of college life. It's so normal now. It's part of the culture. It's a way to stay connected because you are either trading money to have somebody bet for you or you're consulting with your group of friends on what to bet on. Or you're doing the whole smack talk thing, like, or, you know, yeah. who did you yes. pick? Could you pick? Yeah. How could you get that wrong? Right. You know, whatever. Yeah, many of the students told us exactly that. Like, it's such a thing with their friends. They thought that to have friends, you have to be willing to put money down on sports betting. And even if they decided not to put money down anymore, they're still discussing it constantly with their friends and the podcast they're hearing. It's such a part of your world if you're a sports fan. And so it absolutely makes sense for many of these young men that just love sports that it's just become such a social thing. Yeah, based on your research in preparation to author the article, which you did such a great job on, let me ask you, what do you think's ahead? Do you see more loosening of regulation, more proliferation of this type of activity? Or do you see as a result of some of the stories emerging now and some of the issues that people have, either online gambling or facsimiles of it that may not technically qualify as online gambling, because as we've just illustrated, whether it's sweepstakes or some other form of activity like this where you can lose money, do you see that tightening maybe from a regulatory standpoint or what do you think's ahead? It's hard to say. I do think it's become such a massive part of sports culture now that I think betting in some form is not going away anytime soon. But I think a lot of states are realizing some of these daily fantasy or some of these sweepstakes games are a little bit more looking like sports betting than they are looking like not sports betting, I guess. So I could see whether it's state by state or larger than that maybe some kind of additional regulation of those. But again, because it is so fragmented right now and such a state-by-state issue, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it kind of unfolds here. It's hard to predict because it feels like it's been around for a long time because it's such a big deal now, but it really has only been a handful of years. Well, in other states, less than that. Right, right. So I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, especially for that 18 to 21 demographic, what states decide to do with that. All right, Margaret Fleming, Sports Media Fellow, BusinessInsider.com. Thank you so much, Margaret, for uh, giving us guidance on what's going on in sports betting, and in particular how even now college-age students make it part of their experience, their life experience. They, it's infiltrated their culture and that level of uh, demographic society, to be sure. All right, coming up next, sticking on the theme of kids in college and what's going on at college, new things happening at college. We now know sports betting is happening at college, like it or not. But another thing happening at the college level, how about this one? AI. Now, AI bots, if you will, that's an algorithm. Attending classes, registering for and attending classes at a Michigan university. They're in the classroom. They're there right alongside us regular old humans. We're going to see how they fare. Listen, lots of things changing in this world, the world around us, the world we live in. 
and the experiences we have as a result of all those changes, constantly changing. Some things we're aware of, some things are happening behind the scenes, but oh boy, better look out for what's coming. Certainly one of those game-changing technologies underlying a lot of change currently to our lives, but certainly no doubt much change to come is AI, artificial intelligence. We've talked about it before on the show. How can you not talk about it these days? And there's a really cool story, Kristen, that we're following. Yeah, out of Ferris State University, we have Anne and Fry. They're the most recent college freshmen. Uh, however, <laughs> is, they're AI students. It's unbelievable. I can't even believe I just said that. All right, so let's get this straight. You send your kid or you mm-hmm. or whoever it may be, you send your kid to class. All of a sudden, your kid in that particular class has as a classmate, yeah. Anne or Fry, or possibly both, mm-hmm. in that class. You can't see them. You can't touch them. They're a computer program but they're doing everything your student's doing, at least in the class. Yeah, they're listening to the lectures. They're asking questions. They're registering for their classes. They're actually taking notes on how it's all performing for them in order to improve Ferris State's ability to deliver a great education to students. Well, bringing us the story is Melissa Frick. You've published a story in MLive.com. You're an education reporter for MLive.com. Your classmate could be an AI student at this Michigan University. We understand it's the first such program in the nation. Melissa, welcome. Tell us about this amazing story. Yeah, so Ferris State is believed to be the first institution across the country to be employing AI, using them as students in the classroom. So essentially what they've done is they've created these virtual bots. Their names are Ann and Fry, and these two students will be picking their own classes, taking classes this semester, and eventually going on to complete their undergraduate degree, picking their own major, taking classes. And essentially, researchers are going to be following them along to kind of test out what the student experience is like and just kind of following them along as they take classes just like any other student would. So they're freshmen. (laughs) They're freshmen. (laughs) Right. And the purpose of the program, as I understand it from your article, is to kind of monitor the student experience, if you will to understand it and to see how it's working. Is that essentially the essence of it? Yeah, absolutely. So the goal here is just to better understand what the student experience is like today at Ferris State. Higher education has changed significantly in the last decade from the rise of you know virtual and remote learning to just the traditional college student looking different. You know, 10 years ago, we were seeing high school students go directly into college after they graduated, maybe waiting a year or two. Now there's more students that are waiting several years before they pursue their higher education degree. So really the goal here is to see, you know, what's it like? How and when do students decide on a major? These two AI students, like I said, will be picking all their classes themselves and eventually selecting their own major. So, you know, what's the registration process like when signing up for classes? How does admissions work? And ultimately, university administrators want to take everything that they've learned from this experiment and look for ways to better the student experience on campus. Yeah, so I assume what they'll be doing is they'll be tracking the experience, the user experience that they'll have, and then probably keeping data where maybe there are hangups or issues or things that aren't working as efficiently or as productively as they should. Is that kind of the idea? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. My understanding is, I mean, researchers will be checking in with Ann and Fry. on a daily basis, at least for the start of it, to see how things are going. And so now they do homework. I mean, will they be doing the class assignments? Taking the tests, being graded. Right. Is that right? Absolutely. Exactly like any other student would. At first, researchers will be having to manually put in those assignments. 
but yeah, they'll be taking assignments, taking tests. Imagine being split up for group work in a classroom. They'll have to kind of wheel over the computer and microphones, but you'll be sitting in a class having group discussions with a computer. This is unbelievable. The Jetson era it's is here. here. Totally. It's absolutely here. Can you imagine that? I think it's amazing, by the way. Now, you can't see these things. They're amorphous. I mean, they're there. There's nothing to see. There's nothing physical. No. They won't have bodies. They won't be robots roving around the hallways of Ferris State. Although the university does have roving bots. But yeah, they're just going to be existing online. Have they started class, Ann and Fry? Yep. They started a week ago. They're taking their classes, just like all the other students I am are. dying to know what the actual human students think about all this. Yeah, they haven't had a chance to ask the human students yet, but that'll be part of this experiment is talking to students who are in those classes with them. Well, I think it's interesting. You know, we talked about the fact they don't have a physical presence, but Ferris State or the students or the faculty behind this AI technology decided to give them names. Mm -hmm. So there is some sort of, you know, persona. There's some sort of, if you will, reality associated with this. I mean, the AI is is for real. It's as real as anything else at this point. And it's just kind of interesting how that feels as a student, Kristen, kind of to your point, you know, how do they feel about this? Well, as a student, but also the professors, I'm wondering how they're feeling. Are the professors feeling under a microscope now that Anne and Fry potentially could be in their classes? Yeah, that's a good perspective. And that's something that we'll be learning. We've been invited by Ferris State to go and and interview some of the professors and the students. So that's something that we will be learning over the next couple of weeks and months. Well, and I can't stop thinking about this, both from, as you say, Kristen, from the instructor professor standpoint, but the student population standpoint as well. How organic are these AI bots in the sense of, you know, relative to their human counterparts? I mean, will they, for example, ask a question if the professor says any questions? Yeah, the goal researchers hope is that Anne and Fry will be able to deliver their own prompts and have two-way conversations, as they said, in a very short period of time. I don't think they're doing that right now in week one of classes, but in the next coming weeks, I think you'll start to see that. I do know that Anne and Fry, they haven't been given any gender, political affiliations or demographic information affixed to them just yet, but they have been programmed with just kind of a general backstory that's going to be used, you know, as they have their own personalities, as I said, picking classes, picking their own majors and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, Ann and Fry come to class exhausted and hungover like other college <laughs> students. <laughs> I mean, that's part of the experience, right, of college for some people, not for everyone. Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I wonder if they'll skip. <laughs> Mark, that's exactly right. That'll be interesting to see. Uh, it's uh, That's so funny to think about, I know. I think that, you know, speaks to how much of the human condition beyond the kind of robotic computer-esque, ask a question, get an answer, if this, then that kind of thing. But to your point, will they have conditions that other humans have to deal with as they come into class, you know, going out the night before being one of those conditions that many students have to deal with? Let me ask this, the whole goal of the program, I read that ultimately They want to see Ann and Fry make it all the way through getting a degree, graduating from undergraduate, maybe going on to graduate school. How extensive is this program at Ferris State? Do you know, is this the start of what's much more to come? Do we know where all this is going, where it's headed? Yeah, I can't speak to that, mostly because I think researchers don't know where it's going to lead. They're very much waiting and see how things progress over this first semester, how things progress over the next year. They say Anne and Fry, they're not even being, you know, forced to complete their undergraduate degree. They could decide to drop out altogether and stop taking classes. I mean, it's completely up to them. 
So they're kind of hoping to see, you know, do they finish their degree? Do they move on to get their master's degree, get a doctorate degree? Well, this is just an amazing, amazing program. Fascinating, eye-opening, mind-bending, whatever metaphor you want to use. But this Fair State program, is this going on out there at many universities or do I understand this might be unique right now? Yeah, I talked to Casey Thompson, who is a Fair State associate professor who's helping lead this AI experiment. And she says, based on their research, and they've looked into it, they believe Ferris State is the first and the only university in the country to enroll to artificial intelligence students as freshmen. And they're well positioned to be engaging in this kind of work. They have one of just three undergraduate AI programs in the country and the only one in the state of Michigan. Their program has been developed in partnership with the U.S. Department of Defense, the National Security Agency, Department of Homeland Security. So they're well positioned to be engaging in this kind of work. Amazing. Melissa Frick, thank you very much. Uh, Kristen, this is unbelievable. By the time your kids get to college, this will be probably commonplace. When you start to think about the possibilities for sure, Melissa Frick, thanks again. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Great story. So, Kristen, it's happening, happening all around us, just as we teed this story up. AI changing so much in our lives now, even in the classroom with our students. Wow. That's crazy. We're going to follow her for sure. Let's do. Yeah. Actually, if there's any current Ferris State freshman, you should comment on our social feed, Facebook, Instagram. I'm dying to find out if you have Ann or Fry in your classroom. Exactly. Let's go, Michigan. Yep, under Let's Go Michigan. Okay, great. Melissa Frick, thank you again, education reporter for MLive.com. Jeff, before we head into our next topic, did you go to the Madonna concert this week? Well, I didn't. I've been to a Madonna concert before. I have. It was many years ago Yeah. when she was really the material girl. It was a great concert, by the way. I know she's got a tour now, mm-hmm. and I know there's some issues. There are some issues. After the concert, immediately, everybody's been posting about how long it took for her to get on stage. I think she was over two hours behind her start time. And it was just posted Friday that there are now a couple of people from New York from her Brooklyn concert that are now suing Madonna due to the fact that she was late getting on stage and they didn't end the concert till after one o'clock and they couldn't find public transportation because things closed down. Right. And I am aware of that aside from the lawsuit Mm -hmm. and the merits of it or anything else, Mm -hmm. I can understand how people would get upset. I know when I sit in a doctor's office and I'm supposed to see the doctor at two o'clock, that's what they scheduled me to be there for. You would sit in the waiting room until 2.45 until your name finally gets called. It's just so frustrating. Right. And it seems like your time isn't worth anything. But in the case of the doctor example, the doctor's is, or in the case of Madonna, what is the point making people sit there for two hours before you start the concert? Well, and even if you have the warm-up bands, there's no way that they're going to fill that much time. No way. And even if they did, you yeah. didn't come for a two-hour concert from the cover band. You came to see Madonna. So if she wants to create a little drama and start 15, 20 minutes late, okay. Yeah, right. But two hours to make people sit there and wait, that's just not right. No, I think it's bad manners. So I don't know about the merits of the lawsuit, but I, too, would be pretty upset, especially if you take your kids You know, it's asking a lot and it's not right. It would be interesting to track to see whether or not the lawsuit does. I did read a little bit about it. The claims are interesting, you know, breach of contract. They weren't productive at work the next day. Uh Is the lawsuit worth much to them? Probably not. I think this is more out of their frustration and anguish and anger over it being treated unfairly and inappropriately by making them sit there for two hours. Where it starts. So listen, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. And I don't blame them. Yeah. And this is a repeat thing. This is happening at each stop. 
Yeah. And so now that people know in the future venues that she's going to be stopping at, just come late. Yeah. You're still going to have your seat available to you. Right. But it just messes up the whole thing for yeah. those of people that do get there early and get in their seats and right. are ready to see a concert. The concert ticket says starts at 830. Yeah. I'm ready to go. All right. Look, interesting. Again, we'll track that and see where it goes. But now moving on. We are, by nature, as humans, adventurous. We are. We want to climb Mount Everest. Yeah. We want to skydive. Mm-hmm. We want to bungee jump. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it we is. We want a trip to see the Titanic. We want a trip. Okay, I was just going to go there. Yeah, one-way but trip. <laughs> listen, listen. A one-way trip, Mark. That's exactly right. On the one hand, whatever it is in our DNA that drives us to want to bungee jump or to, as you say, Mark, go down on what became, unfortunately for some adventurers, a one-way trip down to the 12,000 feet below the surface to go see the Titanic in a little sub. And unfortunately, we all know what happened there. They didn't make it back up. There's a price to pay when you take risks and take chances like this. I watched Jeff Bezos, for example, go up in his spaceship uh, just a few minutes into space. He got high enough in his spaceship Mm -hmm. to actually make it into, technically make it into space. But I asked myself the entire time, is that really necessary? A guy that's got all that does he really need to go up into space? Now, the answer to that is clearly yes. Yeah. And for those of us who don't understand it, like me, boring old me, <laughs> who's going to be at the Birmingham Blast instead of thinking about flying into space, you know, we just don't get it. But some people really do. They hunger and thirst for that sense of adventure and that thrill, that, I guess, dopamine rush right. that goes with it. Well, that's extreme. I mean, that also means there's a lot of money behind that, too. I mean, bungee jumping is relatively inexpensive. Jumping out of an airplane is relatively inexpensive. Taking a sub to see the Titanic or taking a trip to space, that's not for everyone. That's expensive. It's expensive not only as it's defined by dollars, but in some cases, unfortunately, as defined by more than just the cost. Right. Right. Find it by dollars. Could be the cost of your life or well-being, whatever it may be. Well, listen, it's actually really happening. If you're one of those who the idea of going into space really resonates with you, if you're looking for a real dopamine rush, go beyond the zip line and check out a mission that is uh, something you can actually sign up for as a tourist. Now, this is happening because unlike NASA missions, this is a kind of a private industry mission. It's paid for by Axiom Space. That's a Houston-based company. Actually, it's third group of paying passengers to the International Space Station. They contract with SpaceX to make this happen, and you can get your seat. You can head up into space and go to the International Space Station as a result of the offer being made by Axiom Space. Jeff, how much? What's my seat price? That's a good question, Kristen. It's just a cool $55 million (laughs) for a little trip into space. You pay that to Axiom, you get your seat. You're headed to the International Space Station. Can I write a check? You can write a check, Mark. I'm sure they'll take a check. They'll probably want to make sure your check is good at $55 million before you actually get assigned your seat. That's a detail. But the reality is, if you do pay your $55 million and you do decide that's something you want to do, here's what happens. It takes about 36 hours, the trip, to get to the International Space Station. You leave on a Saturday morning, and you arrive about 36 hours later. As your spaceship, that SpaceX spaceship, catches up to the International Space Station and you get to unload and actually go to work. It's a working vacation, if you will, if you're not puking your guts out by the time you get there. Oh, oh my God. Incredible. The International Space Station circles the Earth about 250 miles above the Earth and uh, you'll join seven other people. And you get to stay two weeks 
I mean, that's a vacation. You could qualify it a couple of different ways. You get to spend two weeks, mm-hmm. or you could, depending on how you look at it, you have to stay. Spend, well, that's two, true. Two weeks. That's right. No There's going, no leaving no early. going home. <laughs> yeah. You can't book a, a, you know, can't call an Uber. There you have it. For those looking for a little something extra when it comes to how you want to spend your time, your recreation, and have a good time, I guess, head to the International Space Station, courtesy of Axiom Space. Check it out. All right. Great show, guys. Great being with you as always. And you can count on us being back again next Saturday right here on Let's Go Michigan. We love our listeners. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Let's Go Michigan. And feel free to share the show with your friends. 